So one day a butcher notices a dog come to the front door of his shop, and the dog starts to paw at the door. So he goes to the door, he opens it up, and he notices the dog has a note in his mouth and a $50 bill. So he takes them both out of the dog's mouth, he opens up the note, and this is what it reads. It says, five lamb chops, please. Well, amazed at the obedience of this dog, he takes the money, he puts five lamb chops in, in a bag and puts the bag in the dog's mouth, and the dog wagging his tail goes on his way. Well, um, he's, he's amazed at the obedience of this dog, so he decides he's going to follow the dog. And as he's following the dog, he watches him come to a busy intersection, wait for the green light, look both ways before crossing the road, and then heading over to a bus stop where he awaits patiently for a bus to arrive. Once the bus arrives, the, door, the, the, the dog gets on the, uh, gets on the bus, and, and he boards the bus. Well, the butcher's just amazed, and so the butcher's thinking, man, I gotta, I've never seen this before. This is one smart dog. I've got to follow this dog to see where he's going. So he jumps in his car, and he follows the bus, and he's following the bus for several miles, and finally the bus stops, and he notices the dog get off, and he parks his car, and he follows the dog. He follows the dog for another couple of blocks, and he watches him walk up to a certain house. The dog puts the lamb chops down in front of the door, and then he gets up on his hind legs, and he starts to ring the doorbell. No answer. So the dog walks over to the front window, and he, as he, as the one that's closest to the door, and he takes his paw up, and he starts tapping on the glass. Well, after a few moments of doing this, the door finally opens and a man comes out and he starts yelling at the dog. He says, you have got to be the dumbest dog I have ever owned. Well, the butcher's sitting back and he's just amazed. He can't believe what he's hearing. So he runs up to the man and says, what is wrong with you? That dog is a genius. The man looks at the butcher and says, genius? Are you kidding me? This is the second time this week he's forgotten his keys. There you go, your joke of the day. You're welcome. I know that blesses you greatly. It's the highlight of the service. It's pretty much downhill uh, from, the, from there. Uh, next weekend, make sure you're here for next weekend. We're going to have Teen Challenge of Milwaukee with us next weekend. They're going to be bringing testimonies of life change and freedom from addiction. So make sure that you're here. When Teen Challenge comes up every year, that's one of my highlights of the year. I absolutely love that service. As many of you know, um, we're close to launching our own Teen Challenge here in Green Bay. We've got a building now, and so we're looking to, uh, by, the, by the end of next May, that that thing is going to be fully up and, uh, and ready to roll. We've got some modifications to make to the building and so forth. So by the end of next May, we're hoping that thing is up by then or, or sooner. Vashon, the director of the Teen Challenge here in Green Bay, is actually going to be coming in and speaking in November, so I'm looking forward to that as well. Well, today we're going to continue the series that we started last week called Beyond the Walls. So we're going to jump right into this. If you have your Bible or Bible app, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 1. If you want access to today's notes and scriptures, those are going to be available uh, in the YouVersion app, Bible app on your phone. If you need instructions and help on how to download that, just stop by the hub after service, and uh, we've got the instructions out there. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to read verses 1 through 13. It says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, 
I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and I had such a faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only a part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows. These three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. I'm calling this message today, How Large Is Your Circle? Father, for the next few moments, I ask that you would give me the mind of Christ. I ask, God, that you would anoint me as I, pre- as I present this message to your people. For, God, if you don't anoint me, these words will fall flat. They will be pointless. They will be useless, God. But if you anoint me, Lord, they will go forward and they will change the hearts of those that are listening today. And so, Father, I need your anointing today. I need it, Lord. And so, God, I thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to tell you a story that I, I told several years ago. So if you were in here at that time, you may remember this story, but I know many of you, probably most of you have not heard it. But years ago when we lived and we pastored in Colorado, we ran a bus ministry there to bring people into the church just like we do here in Green Bay. To build our routes, we would do something that was called a blitz. We would take a team of people into a certain neighborhood. We would be armed with candy, megaphones, clipboards, just looking for children to invite them to ride our buses and come to church. And depending on the weather, sometimes we would dress up a couple costume characters in in full body costumes and have them hit the streets with us as well. And in in the vehicle that we drove, I would play ice cream music because ice cream trucks in Colorado at that time were a big deal and all these kids would be sitting inside and they'd hear the ice cream truck music play, but it wasn't the ice cream truck, it was us. (laughs) Well, one night we were out blitzing, we were in a mobile home park on the north side of the city and as we're walking along... We come to this little rundown mobile home on the right-hand side of the road. And as we get closer to this particular mobile home, I can hear the music blaring very loudly. And so I knew someone was home. And, And as I came up to the home, I walked around the corner. And when I walked around the corner, I realized I had just walked smack dab into a group of gang members known as the Serranos having a party. They would call them a kickback. So off to the side of this mobile home, there was this shorter, well-built man standing next to the grill, grilling hamburgers. 
He was completely decked down in blue, which is the color of the Serranos. He was completely bald, and his head was completely covered in tattoos. Down the side of his head, I remember this very clearly, was the big number 13. And on the side of his neck, he had five bars tattooed to signify that he had been to prison five times. He was one bad-looking dude. As I feel my stomach move up into my throat, I realize that I am now right in the middle of this. I wanted to run, but I realize, man, I'm right in the middle of this. They'd probably chase me down if I ran, and so I just, I've just got to go with it. There's no going back. So I look at the guy standing by the grill, and I just said the first thing that popped into my mind, which usually isn't the most intelligent thing. The first thing that comes into my mind usually is not what I say, but you know, it's, I just looked at him and said, hey, man, I'm just here for a hamburger and he just stares at me and I watched the lot my life flash before my eyes and so he literally says nothing so I instantly remove it's very awkward I instantly move into my bus recruitment pitch I said hey man my name is Pastor Matt I'm on staff at the church down the street down down the road there we have buses that come by through here every Wednesday night I'm just out we're just out looking for kids that want to come to church and ride our bus Well, he just continues to stare at me. And after about three hours of awkward silence, it was actually like three seconds, he he points over to a group of women sitting in the middle of the yard, and he says, go ask their mother. I look over at this group of women, and I remember thinking, I don't want to go ask the mother. I just want to get out of here alive. I look over at this group of women sitting in a circle, sitting in chairs in a circle, and they look like they could hurt me worse than this guy by the grill could. So now my heart's pounding, but I'm like, what do I do? So I look around, and I was like, well, where's my team? They've got my block, or they got my back. No, they're halfway down the block onto the next one. Like, see you, Pastor Matt. We love you, but we don't love you that much. Have a good day. So anyway, I walk up to this group of women, and I'm just, uh, you know, my heart's racing at the moment, and, and I just walk up, and I just cut right to the chase. I don't even know who I'm talking to. I just walk up and say, hey, I go into that bus pitch again. Hey, my name's Pastor Matt. I'm from the church down the street. We have bus ministry. Comes by here, da-da-da-da-da. We're just looking for boys and girls that want to join us. As I'm giving this speech, I, no kidding, I look down and I notice that one of the ladies has a tattoo across her, uh, across her upper chest here, just underneath her neck, that says, trust no man, fear no, it's a five-letter word, starts with a B, ends with an H, use your imagination. And I thought, as I'm looking at this tattoo and I'm going into this, and I'm, talk- and I'm talking, I thought, well, that's nice. She doesn't trust men. Not only am I one, but I'm asking to take her kids away on a bus that she's never heard of before. And it dawned on me, I am going to die. These guys are going to kill me and shove my body underneath the trailer. No one will find me. My team's down the block. They could care less. So I'm just sitting there, my heart's racing, and much to my surprise, the lady with the tattoo looks up at me, and she starts smiling. She says, sure, get them out of my hair. Can you take them every night? They started laughing. My heart starts to come down, and I realize I'm going to live after all. So I get their information. We pull up the next night. Those, there's, there's those precious little kids standing alongside the road waiting on the bus. They boarded the bus. They rode to church. 
Week two comes along. They boarded the bus. They rode to church. Week three pulls up, and we pull up to get those kids, and there are those kids out there on the sidewalk again, and there's mom and dad standing next to them. Mom's the lady with the tattoo. Dad was the guy that was at the grill. We open the door. They say, hey, you know what? Our, this might sound odd, but our kids just love coming. And we want to know if we want to learn a little bit more about it. Do you mind if we come and check it out? We say, sure. And so they load the bus, and the family rode to church together that night. And I still remember that night very well. I will never forget this. They came into the service. They were full of hundreds of kids that we ran back at that time. And I gave the altar call that night, and I still remember where they were sitting. They were sitting right in the back on the left side here. And when I gave the altar call for the kids to accept Jesus Christ, all these hands went up, and lo and behold, the two hands of mom and dad in the back go up as well. Hardened gang members. And so that night I said, if you're serious, I want you to come down to the front. And all the kids started filing out of their seats and down to the front of the altar here. And lo and behold, mom and dad stood up out of their seat and they walked down here to the front. It was sure the sight. You had two hardened gang criminals standing with hundreds of kids. They stuck out like a sore thumb. It was beautiful. Mom and dad gave their hearts to Jesus Christ that night right there in the kids' service. Well, my, my wife, she befriended the mom, and she found out that she's pregnant. She was pregnant with her fifth child, if I remember correctly, and she confided in my wife, and she said that, that she's scared because this, she's never had a baby, even though this is her fifth one. She's never had a baby outside of prison, and so she doesn't know how to, how to raise the baby so Kyla comes up and tells me the story, and I said, well, man, what can we do to help them? And she said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. She said, we're going to have a baby shower for them. I said, what? Are you nuts? A baby shower for these guys? In case you miss the memo, they're gang members. That's not going to fly. There's no way I'm going to walk up to that guy and say, hey, we want to have a baby shower for you. He's going to kill me. So after going back and forth for a little while, we decided to meet in the middle and have a baby shower for them. <laughs> so I said, okay, let me see if I can get a room at the church. She said, no, we're going to do it at our house. I said, are you nuts? We're not going to do it at our house. We can't do it at our house. Do you understand? These guys are gang members. They're going to know where we live. Da, 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 da. After going back and forth and arguing about it for a few moments, we again met in the middle and we had it at our house. I remember the night of the shower, I was sitting out in the backyard talking to both of them. They're telling me their story. The dad opens up and he says he's not just a gang member, but he was a very high-ranking official within the gang. He said he had quite a bit of power, and he said he remembers the days he would easily have $250,000 in cash and shoeboxes under the, under the mattress. And I'm like, hey, can I come visit for a while? I'll clean your bedroom for you. But... He opened up and he was just broken. He said, you know, I'm, I'm tired of this life. He was younger than me, but he looked like he was 20 years older than me because that lifestyle had just, it just wrecked him. He said, he's tired of running. He said, I'm ready to get out. Not only of that, but I'm afraid that my kids are going to follow in my footsteps and I don't want my precious children to follow in my footsteps. And a lot of those gangs are generational and so they're proud of that. And, and so you'll see that. And as the conversation is going on, the mother looks at me and with all seriousness and she says, why are you doing this? 
I said, well, what do you mean? She said, you've brought us in. You're doing all this nice stuff for us. Typically, when people do things for us, it's because they want something. But you guys, we cannot figure out for the life of us what it is you want from us. We have nothing to offer you. I look at her and I say, well, we don't want anything from you. This is just what the church does. And she looks at me in the eye and she says, no, it's not what the church does. I was starting to get a little uncomfortable. I'm like, where's this thing going? I don't know. So I said, well, what do you mean by that? And she said, we've been to many churches in the city. And she goes, I get it. We don't look like most people. Our lifestyle is a bit different, quite a bit different from most people. Because of this, we commonly feel like an outcast and we feel like we're not wanted. And I understand, you know, people look at us strange. She goes, but this church is different. This is the first place we've been that we actually feel like we've been accepted. This is the first place where we actually feel like we belong. And when she told me that they commonly felt like an outcast in the house of God, my heart broke, but I knew it was true. The truth is, it's not the unbeliever's fault that they feel this way, and it's, 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 it's not their fault. You see, for decades, the church has given off this general vibe that in order for you to be accepted, there is a certain standard that you need to meet. We Christians tend to give off this vibe as well. And I don't believe it's intentional that we do this, but the truth is we do it. It looks like this. Let me give you a visual. Look at this picture up here. Now imagine this person on the screen. Uh, just imagine this person on the screen in the center. And around this person is a circle. We all have this circle around us. It's not visible, but it's there. We call it our circle of comfort. And we allow the people that we're comfortable with inside of this circle the people inside of this circle usually are a lot alike. It looks like this. Next picture. Yep, that one right there. It looks like this. They have the same likes. They have the same interests. They have the same passions. They click well. But then outside of this circle, there's people that are a bit different, maybe a lot different. They look different. They believe different things. They're nothing alike. When what we typically do is we distance ourselves from people that are not like us because, frankly, it can be a bit uncomfortable. We keep them outside of our circle. But Jesus said this in John chapter 35. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also love one another. By this... All people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus himself said that people would be able to identify his followers not by what they said, but by what they did, by their love for others, by their ability to expand their circle. Now watch what happens. I don't want to just invite people to come into my little circle and say, okay, I suppose you can come in and I suppose that person can come in over there, but then we still leave other people out. That's not love. We don't add people to our circle. We 
expand our circle. So it looks like this. We expand our circle. Thank you for calling them back. Amen. Is that the Lord calling? <laughs> but we expand my, our circles. And when we expand our circles, we can love everybody, not just people that are like us. The bigger my circle, the bigger my reach. The bigger my reach, the greater influence I'm going to have to impact someone else's life for the glory of God. God does not want us to keep people out of our circle. It kind of reminds me of this movie clip. Watch this. And there it is, the old circle of trust. Got to love in-laws, don't you? I mean, aren't they wonderful? <laughs> Let's look again what Paul said, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which we read earlier. He said, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such a faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. In other words, what he's saying is you can have the Bible memorized front to back, left to right. You can quote scripture left to right and sideways. But if you don't love, it's all noise to the unbeliever. Uh, verse 3 says, if I gave everything I had to the poor and I even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained Nothing. Now watch this. This is what love looks like. This is the definition of love. Verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. It is not boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful. And now watch, it endures through every circumstance. Do you see that? That means love does not have conditions. A lot of times we only want to include people inside of our circle that can do something for us. That's not love. Love means that I'm going to include people in my circle that can never do anything to repay me. This was the example of Jesus. We can never repay him for what he has given us. That is love. Verse 8, prophecy and speaking in an unknown language and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. I'm going to jump down to verse 13. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Here's what I've found. The people that you choose to include in your circle usually will never hurt you. Instead, they're going to have your back. They're going to defend you when other people tear you down. They're going to become like family to you. The couple that I told you about earlier from Colorado, we became very good friends with them. They became like family to us. I remember about a year ago, we had a a heckler out on the sidewalk here after service. Some of you might remember him. I call him, I called him Hecklin' Harry. I don't know what his name was, but he's out there heckling, and so I got to come up with some kind of a name for him. So I called him Hecklin' Harry. You might remember him. 
But he was out on the, the sidewalk out there with the megaphone. He was yelling at everyone as they walked out of the church and, and telling everyone that they're going to hell. Um, just a, I was thinking, well, that's nice. What a nice young man this is. I mean, it just, uh, I won't be like this guy. But anyway, um, he was one of those super religious people that thought he was better than everyone else. And he's going to make sure that you knew <laughs> how good he was. And if I had to guess, I'm guessing he probably went from church to church every weekend and he harassed another group of people. He had a video camera set up on his, on his bike, so if anybody came up to him and said anything, he could record it. Basically, he was just, he was picking a fight, and that's what I told him. But I, I tried to reason with him. Other people were trying to reason with him, and this guy just wasn't budging. And to be honest with you, I was very concerned for him, not just because of what he was saying. I didn't care much about that, but, but I knew that we had some people in this church just fresh out of prison, and this church had become like family to them, and people will defend their family regardless if cameras are rolling or not. And I didn't want, to get, I didn't want anybody to get in trouble, so I'm just trying to calm him down. Well, of course, in his mind, us trying to calm him down, we are trying to stop the word of the Lord. And I was like, no, man, I'm not trying to stop the word of the Lord. I just really want you to be alive tomorrow. Don't do this. This place isn't like other places in town. Trust me. Well, he started to say negative things about the church, and the next thing I know, someone's flying at him, and i got to jump in between them and, and try, to, try to pull him off. But that's what happens when you expand your circle of love to include everyone. Love is the ingredient that will draw people together like family. You guys are like my family. I'm probably like your crazy uncle, but you're still like my family whether you like it or not. And here's the thing, you might believe differently than me. You might look differently than me. You might dress differently than me. Your opinions might be different than mine. But none of that matters to me because I have decided to expand my circle to include everyone. This church will be a church that enlarges its circle to include everybody. Now, we're going to preach the word of God, and we're going to call sin, sin. We're not going to go light on sin just to tickle people's ears. But that doesn't mean you're going to be loved any less. Despite what culture tells you, you can disagree with somebody and still love them. Culture tells you, you agree with what I agree with, or we're enemies. That's not true. I can disagree with you, and I can still love you, and I can still help you, and I can still be there for you, and I can still root you on in life. Just because you believe differently than me doesn't mean that I, can that I have to love you any less. It's only when you choose to, it's only, it's, if you only choose to love those that are like you and serve those that are like you, it's going to be like that graphic that we showed earlier. Go ahead and pop that back up. You're just going to have the people that are just like you in your little circle. And I want you to know that that's not what the circle of Jesus looks like. For God so loved the world is what we read in Scripture. His circle included everybody, and so should ours. The world will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. So I want to encourage you today to expand your circle. 
I want to encourage you to expand your circle at work, expand your circles to strangers, expand your circle to everyone inside of this church, expand your circle to everyone beyond the walls of this church. Make the choice to expand your circle and just watch what God does. But what if they don't love me back? Well, that's not for you to worry about. Remember, according to what we read, our job is to love without conditions. We can't control what the other person does. I'm going to have Sam come back up at this time. And as he does, I remember a story told by syndicated columnist uh, Sidney Harris. He tells of a time when he accompanied a friend to a newspaper stand so his friend could buy a newspaper. The vendor of the newspaper stand was very abrupt. He was gruff. The guy was just plain mean. However, his friend responded in kindness. So Harris was a bit taken aback by this, so he asked him, is he always that unkind to you when you buy a paper? Well, yes, his friend replied. He said, well, do you always reply like that? Because if it were me, I'd probably tear the guy's head off for treating me like that. He said, yeah, I always respond to him lovingly like that. He said, well, why? And he said, I, he said here's the thing. He goes, I can't determine how he will act, but I can determine how I will react. You see, if you're carrying a bucket of water and someone bumps into you, the only thing that's going to spill out of that bucket is what's inside of it, in this case, water. In the same way, if you're walking through life and someone bumps into you, which is very common, as we travel through this life, all kinds of people will bump into you. They'll rub you the wrong way. They'll say something that'll hurt. And, and these things are just going to happen. If your heart is full of hatred, anger, revenge, these are the things that are going to spill out of your bucket when you're bumped into. But on the other hand, if it's full of love and you're bumped into, that's what will spill. You can only spill from the bucket that which it contains. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. I want to encourage you today to expand your circle. Don't just let people in that are like you. Expand your circle to include everybody. And watch what God does. You'll make friends that you never thought you could make before. Because now your circle is much bigger. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I just want to thank you today for love. Thank you for the guidance in your word that you give us on love. This isn't easy to live. It's easy to preach, but it's not easy to live. Because God, I know that when people mistreat me and they say harsh things against me, Lord, I want to retaliate and I want to fight back. And, and I think of you hanging on that cross when the nails in your wrists and your feet and the crown on your on your head and they were they were hauling they were hauling they were hauling insults at you as you walked to the cross they would beat you they were laughing they were making fun telling you to save yourself 
And God, at any time, you could have stopped that. You could have easily stopped that. You just had to snap your fingers and fire would have rained out of heaven and destroyed everyone, but you didn't because of love. Because of love. And so, God, I just pray, Lord, this week as we leave this place that you would help this message to come back to our memory, Lord, as we maybe are faced with people that rub us the wrong way, people that are mean to us, people that mistreat us, God, that you would help us to remember this truth from your word, to respond with love. So God, we thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name, I want you to